and welcome to the Unlucky Frog Gaming Podcast. I'm your host Ben Porter and I'm joined this Independence Day by Tom and Ash Mayo of Modblocks. How are we doing gents? Not too bad thanks, yourself? Yeah, yeah, doing alright. So we'll talk a little bit more about Modblocks which is a product you guys have got on Kickstarter at the moment. Yeah, that's correct. Um, First of all, Let's start with a little truncated history of the Mayo Brothers. How how did you get into tabletop gaming? Uh, that was Mark, wasn't it? Um, I think, yeah, it's funny enough, an, another older brother. Yeah. Um, uh, was very much into uh, Warhammer and Warhammer 40k. Sure. Um, and he's been into it since pretty much the really early days. Yeah. Um, so we've always grown up around uh, tabletop miniatures and figures and uh also absolutely love playing lots of board games uh kind of growing up so your typical things like risk um and so on and so forth D&D. uh D&D, yeah. yeah played a few uh a bit of D and then um yeah that's kind of where my passion started to be drawn towards was more uh the role play game kind of things i think yeah. started going much more into a war gaming into games. into <laughs> war gaming yeah so uh um, mm. we'd cross each other's paths playing games um occasionally but uh yeah that's we've always grown up with a, a love of board gaming um absolutely love the social convention and mm-hmm. um the actual ability to see your people who you're playing against and uh having a good time um as opposed to just yeah, video games all the time can be better online because you actually meet people and you can go for a drink afterwards yeah which is always fun <laughs> it's, it's the fact you can kind of go off the rails in a way that you can't do with video games yeah. as well isn't it like you can go right today we're going to totally throw the rules out the window and we're going to go nuts and we're going to have three dragons appear in the middle of the battle and yeah. you can have all this crazy stuff going on, and that I know that the the narrative gaming that's something that um, our gaming group is big into with war gaming, and it's you, you've almost got this amalgam of the strategy of a war game with the the role playing and storytelling of like D and D or something like that. Yeah, that is um, just the type of games I prefer to play. To be fair with you, I, yeah, it's nice to have house rules and be able to actually change things up a bit. Oh, absolutely. And um, yeah, it's just those it's those crazy moments you do get in games as well. Like you're saying that you just <laughs> you just re- retell over and over again. Um, I mean, I can remember specifically in one of my campaigns uh, as one of my first campaigns DMing. Uh, I was using fourth edition at the time, uh, unfortunately, um, <laughs> which uh, much preferred 3.5. But uh, and now fifth edition is quite nice as well. But I specifically remember having to set up a tournament for for my players and uh each round that they would complete they would uh increase their amount of winnings and their amount of gold that they received from this tournament and mm. this was very early on this the whole reason my uh the group came together to this particular town was to was to play um to play in this tournament and they ended up banding together and I made the final boss a uh, a five headed dragon um, just to make it absolutely impossible <laughs> for like early levels to be able to try and uh, to try and beat. And I can remember making the the reward so ridiculously high that they would at least give it a try. And yeah, yeah they managed to find a loophole and killed it. And um, <laughs> that was a, 
that was incredibly great because they were extremely rich to begin with the start of the campaign yeah. and uh they ended up turning quite evil as a result um yeah. it's amazing how I, I was going to i was going to say was that the day the party retired but uh you know it sounds like the wealth went to their head oh absolutely i think the first thing they did was bought the town um oh yeah <laughs> and yeah. then from there um oh. Yeah. You were mentioning um, Warhammer earlier. I feel like that, that's the gateway drug for a lot of people, isn't it? Yeah. It, you start off thinking, oh, this will be an easy, easy game. It'll be nice. I won't get <laughs> into it. And then you realize, wait, I'm a lot further into this than I thought I was. Yeah. Before you know it, your house is populated with space marines yeah. and orcs and all that. And you've also had to uh, refinance the house to be able <laughs> yeah. to buy it all as well. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That, that escalated quickly, that kind of thing. Yeah. yeah. You've always got models still to be built and still to be painted. And you will still always buy more models, oh, yeah. despite the fact that you have loads of unbuilt, unpainted models oh, in yeah. your cupboard. It's a necessity. That's exactly what it is. Yeah, it, it's completely logical, and uh, I, I really don't see why why Charlotte has a, a problem with me um, buying new stuff. I think I think that's the thing that what I'm kind of dreading to be honest with you is uh, is when my partner Megan actually puts down puts down the foot and says you're not allowed yeah. to buy any more miniatures until you finish the one you've got. <laughs> um, that would probably end my wargaming career. Do what at I that do. Point. I hide the miniatures I'm working on. So I only have like three or four on the workstation, so Tiff doesn't know how many I've got. Ah, it's like the tip of the iceberg type of thing. Yeah. <laughs> so um, Modblocks, which is you guys' current project, mm -hmm. is is a set of modular terrain. Uh, yeah, um, absolutely. So um, the, the idea, to be honest with you, came about nine years ago for myself. It's been a long time in the making. Um, but it's just one of those things, uh, referring back to our older brother, Mark, um, started using magnets to uh, on his minis to be able to obviously easily swap out and not having to have different uh, different Tyranids. Yeah, different um, models. Tyranids is the main one. Yeah, that um, he would yeah. play. Um, and that kind of dawned on me because of something I have always been interested in architecture and especially uh, especially terrain on the board. I do like my terrains to be very nice and pretty because I feel it really does lead to the immersion of you being inside that world. And yeah. um, and I just thought, wouldn't it be great if like we could look at putting something together with magnets um, and actually having magnetic scenery so you can build whatever you want um, for whatever theme you want. Uh, and it was just one of those throwaway ideas. Uh, then a few days, well, it would have been about two years ago now, I started writing a sci-fi campaign uh, for the Firefly, D uh, sorry, the Fire Firefly roleplay game, and I decided that I wanted some nice sci-fi scenery to go uh, to go with it. So I had a little look on the market, and there was still nothing that was quite like the, the my quite like my vision from nine years ago. Um, yeah. And at that point, now like we both own three D printers. Uh, I've started teaching computer aided design at my local college. Um, so I actually had the resources and the and, and the know-how to actually start designing something up. And after two years of development, this is what we have is our final product, Modblocks. Mm -hmm. um, the great thing about it is, is it's completely modular, so you can um, stack it all together. Uh, you can lay out your foundation of your building to be whatever shape you want it to be, uh, and then cover it with wall plates. Uh, so you can end up with um, a different layout to your building each time you want to set up your board. 
Uh, the key thing for me is working together is because I was looking for it more the for the role play aspect of being able to lay out different rooms and being able to lay out cocktails sure. for D and D. Um, and then at the same yeah, time, I was looking into Warhammer and being able to use it larger scale in the matches. And then with like Kill Team and Necromunda that came out, still using the internal corridors and then making boards that were all like inside a facility because you get a lot of boards where you're fighting in the city. You don't get yeah where you actually play inside of a facility. Which then obviously uh-huh. no restrictions to the game that could be more interesting to play through. Well, it's it's funny you mention about uh, Kill Team and Necromunda because they're quite recent additions to the the Games Workshop lineup. But it seems as though something like Mod Blocks is perfect, right? Because with games like Kill Team and Necromunda, you want verticality. Mm-hmm. But if you're going back to 40k, you want a big open battlefield. So. It's you know, what do you go down that road of having two sets of scenery for two different systems, or do you explore something else? And this, well, I say this is a th- um, thing that works with Mobblox. So I've tried it out with um, 40k on the larger scale, and it works well because you can build the buildings up and have sp- um, spread out buildings around on the battlefield. So you still uh-huh. open avenues, a line of sight, and the ruined cities, but you also have buildings you can go into and explore. And then when you scale it down, you can just make a building and use just the one building rather than having several small buildings to block line of sight. Yeah, sure. so the, the great thing about the uh, about the terrain is exactly that. So you can um, set out several small buildings um, if you're wanting to play like a wide battlefield uh, or you can actually start combining it together because each of the blocks actually stack on top of each other. It's really easy to lift them up and access the interiors as well. So you do mm-hmm. get that verticality play. Um, and we've had maps which we've stacked up to about five or six different levels high, um, and it all held, holds together perfectly and works really well. Mm. Um, that kind of like more came from again my um, the role play side of games where you want to be able to go into your taverns, you want to be able to go into your into your space bars and actually have your characters inside this internal sure. space. Um, and to be able to actually easily access them while they're inside as well, especially if you've got a multi-stored structure, it can be quite difficult with a lot of terrain systems to get to each individual story. Um, whereas this, each story just stacks, so you can just pick mm-hmm. it up and move it about as you want. Uh-huh. Now we've got the internal stair pieces, so if you want to actually have the story, you can have stairs where you people have to go up the stairwells. Um, and I used this in a 40k match, and it was to my downfall because I built a building with two doors on it, and normally with ruins, you just go through the walls. When there's a building set up with entrance points and stairwells, you feel more inclined to actually use the entrance to get into the building and the stairwells to go up inside of the building, which made it hard for my enemy, but at the same time, it felt more narrative-based than, oh, I'm just going to jump through this wall. Which is what you normally do, isn't it, in in games like Age of Sigmar or 40k, right? Because you'll you'll have like a door sculpted onto the building, Mm -hmm. You don't you don't have a way through it, so it's adding a whole other tactical dimension yeah. to your game as well. Absolutely, and and this was something because uh, a tactical game that I've recently gotten to as well is uh, Infinity. And again, I very much mm-hmm. like uh, Infinity because the back and forth you get whilst you're playing the game. Um, unfortunately, I do sometimes find Warhammer to be a bit. You take your turn, you wait, you roll your saving dice, and then you get you, then you get to act. Whereas, um, again, that's why I'm really looking forward to having a player around yeah. kill team. So I know that's much more of a back and forth between the players. Um, and yeah, that's 
what we would yeah. again that's what i'm looking forward to looking forward to playing uh some cool team with our scenery as well yeah. you'd probably really like um a song of ice and fire tom if yeah. uh if, if that's it because we we played it the other day um we had the uh the starks versus lannister box set and um it it feels like a historic uh battles system because you've got the ranked up units but what's quite interesting is you activate a unit at a time I find so yeah. so it does feel a wee bit more um reactive like you were saying that some of those other games you can spend quite a long time waiting to do something mm. that's very much like legion as well i've had a play test of legion this is star wars legion yeah you set a card to how many units you want to activate um and then you've got those ones you can actually nominate as those tokens the others are random and you pick a token to activate the unit so you can even pick a random token and pick one of your units randomly activate or one you would preset and the preset whoever sets the most as preset gets the second initiative ah cool but that's yeah. back and forth as well yeah there's definitely a few new games out there which i i want to i want to have a play around with because they're sounding a lot more like my kind yeah. of game style yeah. and my kind I of mean, game. they've they've shaken up age of sigmar quite a bit because you now have the the command point system there which i think they already had in 40k so e even though it's still using that that my turn your turn type of system uh the, these these big games workshop behemoth games are evolving as well and they're obviously realizing people don't want to just sit and watch someone take a turn anymore they want to get involved so it's like someone pummels all of their attacks into your big unit and you can have your general go right you're not going anywhere and you can use the inspiring presence on them rather than at the start of the turn you would nominate a unit that has inspiring presence on it and then because they know that that has inspiring presence on it they don't go anywhere near it and they just wreck the rest of your army <laughs> so it's so it's it's trying to make games more reactive, which is good to see that um, uh, Games Workshop and the, all the other companies are are mindful of uh, a changing market. Definitely, the market is definitely shifting yeah, that way. Um, and saying about like, the narratives of it, I just remembered as well with like the external ladders and the external stairwells. We've made all of our stairwells and external ladder pieces. So again, the whole thing with the wall sculpted in it, you just go through it. Now going up onto the first story of a building, there's ladders that you can actually put your miniatures on so you can move up the building as it goes up. That's um, cool. Yeah. Yeah, and this 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 is the whole idea of um of the actual mop blocks. Uh, so this is, again coming back to it again, yeah. seeming as you have done so, um, is that we really did want to make a scenery system that works with pretty much any game. Um because of the modular nature of the uh, of the cubes themselves, um the cubes are quite generic by themselves so the whole idea is you can get your set of cubes that you would use to uh, build the core of your the core of your scenery uh, we also have feature pieces which allow you to um yes yeah, means you want to pass me a cube is what one looks like but not too useful yeah. on a uh, on an audio <laughs> podcast <laughs> uh, oh yeah definitely um you can always check out our website to get a bit more information yeah we'll have some stuff in the show notes to direct yeah, people and, um, they'll be able um, to see them there but I've already actually started working on our next theme set. So the idea is that you have your core uh, foundation uh, pieces, if you will, uh, mm -hmm. which are made up of uh, cubes and uh, arcs to be able to get a good variation. Um, but then the wall plates themselves that you attach to it, um, I've already started designing, like, for example, a Victorian and medieval theme. Um, so the idea is, is that you do genuinely have a scenery set that you can use for pretty much any game, which is 25 to... 30, yeah, 25 yeah. to 38 yeah. millimeter roughly. No, that sounds really cool. Um, you mentioned earlier on that you teach CAD 
yeah. at, at your local college. Um, so it, it's probably worth saying here that you're not just a couple of nerds with a laser cutter. You actually ha have a bit of experience and some qualification in using CAD. How how does how does your experience with programs like that translate to uh, mod blocks into making scenery? And how does that give you an edge over these other companies? Oh, absolutely. So um, the nice thing about it is, so I come originally from a, uh, a kind of like a prop design uh, background. It's something that which, uh, I did a lot of work with, especially with Fallout. I made a lot of uh, Fallout cosplay items. Um, and different bits and pieces and this is how uh, i started to teach myself cad to begin with um i've just built up that knowledge because i've always had this interest in trying to um push a software to see what kind of geometries and stuff you can get out of it and mm -hmm. it's always something that i've actually found very therapeutic is uh is, is being able to start with a completely blank slate um end up with the finished product that you've uh, you've personally designed and then in the modern age, genuinely, when I got my first 3D printer and printed out the first thing that I created, it was that sudden light bulb moment of, hold on a minute, I am actually living in the future now. Um, <laughs> the fact that I can think of something in my head after a day's worth of designing it, have it as a physical item and be able to uh, be able to play with it is, um, is absolutely phenomenal to me. Um, and it's that interest which um, just led me on to starting to uh, work at the college um and that's where i started uh, being able to use um actually have access to higher end 3d design software so things like uh, solidworks for example um and being able to use these types of software um we can run all types of simulation tests on our on our scenery to make sure magnets are strong enough to hold things in place mm -hmm. um we can uh, and i can go back and edit files really easily and kind of like tweak them um so Again, kind of like it gives us the ability to really turn. I can turn around really quickly and just double check things on the scale because sometimes you can you can design things and you can send it out and you can have it made, and then when you get it back, ah, oh, that that window is just slightly too large for like the scale of yeah. the using. Um, so that's what I absolutely love is being able to to turn around and be like, okay, printed it out now, and yeah, it doesn't quite look right. Let's shave a couple of like five millimeters off either side of it, and then see how it looks again. Being able to use the printers has been invaluable. Yeah, it's a case of our first designs. As soon as we designed them, we printed them off, and they all worked fine. It was all looking nice, and then we had a new idea, and we had to change the designs completely. So we've gone through several iterations because we have the printers. We don't have to go right. We need to get the money to get it made. We just print one off, have a look at it, think actually it could be better if we change that change it go back do it again just rinse and repeat till we got what we want yeah yeah it's like there i don't know if you guys have ever heard of the the ten thousand hours theory um if you spend ten thousand of hours or something you become an expert in it or a master yeah. in it. yeah yeah well i can't remember the the name of either of the guys which is terrible but um someone else has expounded upon this theory and said that you don't actually spend 10,000 hours doing something because you can spend 10,000 hours doing something the wrong way and of course you're never going to become an expert or something so what this next guy has said is that the, the reality is that to become an expert at something you need to perform 10,000 experiments absolutely and that that kind of like goes with my other favorite favorite phrase as well which is practice doesn't make perfect practice makes habit yeah um yeah um abs yeah absolutely and that's why again we're <sighs> 
our family, especially something that must be in our genes, to be honest yeah. with you, because we, we tend to be very curious. We do like to pick things apart and look, look at like uh, <laughs> bits and pieces of the internal workings of machinery and things like that. I suppose it's kind of like we come, our family comes a bit from an engineering background. Well, I mean, you and I mean, the, um, the Bieber. So we've got well, our new bit. printer. Yeah, because yeah, <laughs> you'll tear that thing apart. <laughs> we've, <I don't> got, <laughs> we've got two types of 3D printers. We've just got a Bieber because it's got better quality and we wanted to get a better finish on some of our pieces so then we can actually test them better. Sure. But our first one works, a little XYZ printer. Um, however, I've taken mine apart completely to its core components, reassembled it. So whenever something goes wrong, I just fix it because mm -hmm. I know how it comes apart and how it goes back together. He will let me know his one because he thinks I'll do the same thing, which is probably true. But from that, now I've got the experience on how to fix the printer. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, brilliant. So after all that convoluted engineering talk, I'm going to ask a really dumbass question, okay? Go for it. Um, what makes Modblocks special above the glut of 3D printed and MDF terrain that's out there at the moment? Um, so the kind of the main benefits that we uh, we we have been able to achieve with this is that first of all, it comes fully assembled. So unlike MDF packs, you don't have to spend hours putting it together. Um, that's always been a bit of a bugbear of me. Part of me does enjoy that, um, which is why we'll be experimenting with other things in the yeah, future absolutely. um but the idea of just being able to get a set out ready to go and play um is is a huge plus point for us um another huge benefits as well is the fact that everything is going to be mold uh, made out of uh cast resin so uh, we'll be using uh pressure casting to uh, get some really nice solid pieces and because they are cast in resin you get to capture all the tiny minute details um, so some of my uh, designs go down to kind of like the detail um, about the fine, fine as a human hair um, kind of detailing. Yeah. Um, You've done a keyboard on one of the stretch Yeah, that, well, that was oh, like wow. a L keyboard, um, just using <laughs> the keyboard in front of me on my laptop as reference for... Yeah, uh, that's quite impressive. Um, and it's... Um, Again, you're able to capture that kind of detail, which you just can't do with either card or um, or uh, MDF. What I reckon that um, Modblocks has over the other resin, because other people use yeah. resin for the scenery, is just how versatile it is. Because mm -hmm. a lot of it, because obviously we've got the whole modular scenery, but we've seen a lot of modular scenery out there. Um, but they're normally the solid building part, like building, you put the walls together to make multi-story complexes, but they're not each individual wall. And they're very much set to a theme per set. Whereas with Modblocks, every piece fits with every other piece. Every part can be repositioned into a different position if needed be. As yeah. case of change anything anywhere, anytime. Yeah, I uh -huh. think um, a reoccurring phrase which happens quite a lot for oh, us yeah. as well as actually is that it's it's like Lego for adults. Um, <laughs> so. Um, most people who actually do get their hands on a set and be able to play with it, the, their instant thing is they're, they're hooked for at least five, ten minutes just actually playing around with it, laying it out. Yeah. It. Um, and it's that extra kind of uh, layer of play and depth to the scenery. It's not just a, a solid piece of scenery that is that. That's all it's going to be. Yeah, you can paint it to look a bit different, but it's going to be the same every time you want to use it. Um, compared with our system, you can actually invoke your imagination and be able mm -hmm. to create the create the buildings and the table that you want to play it's yeah. like some of the walls we so we made like wall pieces that have supports out so you can build balconies but i've seen people put them down as tank traps or yeah. the or the extension rooms they just put them over as a bunker um and i 
didn't think about doing that before and then people have just gone and done it um it's always great seeing how yeah, other people, how uh, other people uh, play with your stuff yeah, and yeah, uh, yeah, things yeah. out differently it's like at the Borkin convention the we got a double roof piece it's a feature piece it's got all nice pretty edges on it and we've always used it on the top of the buildings but this guy got two of the support pieces stuck them across and made it as a ladder between the two so you use the roof piece as a bridging piece yeah, which again you can do um yeah one of the things we've talked about a couple of times on the podcast is the fact that um as i'm sure you guys are aware um games workshop have totally changed their their whole sales and business strategy over the past couple of years and one of the things they they've really been pushing hard is um allowing players to use the same models across multiple systems so it's like if if you've got this uh if you've got your high elf lore master you can use them in Age of Sigmar, you can use them in Skirmish, you can use them in Warhammer Quest, all of that sort of thing. And for for me as an onlooker, that, that's the, the thing that I see with mod blocks is that I could use the same system in Fallout Wasteland Warfare, Star Wars Legion, 40k, Necromunda. And it's, it's all about convenience now, isn't it? Unfortunately. But, and that's uh, that's the idea of it. Um, that's exactly what we made it it's for. It's also less storage as well, because if you've got yeah. four cubes for a building set oh, yeah. and you want two different themes, you just need two sets of theme plates. You don't need the buildings again. So then much room. Yeah. So it, it's early days for mod blocks, but what's the what's the plan going forward? Um, so obviously we're on Kickstarter at the moment. Um, we are coming to the last uh, couple of weeks of our campaign. And unfortunately, we have got a bit of a push to uh, to get up to our goal. Um, we have just started uh, quite a lot of marketing to be able to hope uh, push it out a little bit. And we would love uh, any of your listeners to go check us out. That would be Absolutely. fantastic. Um, and yeah, if you do like it, just pledge a bit of support. Um, and yeah, once we get up to there, our next stage is going to be actually investing in some really high-grade 3D printers. Um, I've had been able to have a play with some of these things at college, um, and the the detail to get out of them is absolutely stunning. However, I'm not allowed to use college property to uh, <laughs> to my own nefarious ends, yeah. unfortunately. Yeah. Um, so uh, we'll be investing in one of these machines, which will allow us to actually capture all the detail for I actually that I want and being a yeah. bit of a perfectionist like I expect from my products as well. So that's a bit of an issue we are having when you mentioned it is people have looked at the stuff we've got from the Bebo printer and like, well what's wrong with this? Why don't you just cast from this? And we're like, well we can, but some of the other stuff, the detail won't be on there and we want sure. the better grade of detail. Yeah. Um then from there we'll be uh setting up and making up our sets to be sending out to our uh, our Kickstarter uh backers. And uh, from that, um, yeah, hopefully to grow and expand upon it. So uh, we kind of hit the ground running. Like I said, we've already got a few other designs in the pipeline. Um, they're almost done, but um, again, they just need a little bit more work. And yeah, so we can quite quickly turn around some more themes if, if people are interested and they want to get involved. We've also got our like really, really long term idea, which is with the electrics. Yeah, we yeah we it, it's kind of like the problem is when you're quite creative and you've got all these ideas, it's it's hard to single one out and just say right, we're starting here and we're doing this. Um, and this is kind of why we've launched our Kickstarter, and this is why uh, we've I've kind of like put myself um, like this is this is it, this is what we're starting with. So to be so I've actually got a box to work in. Sometimes it's nice to be able to work in a box. Um, Sometimes it's hard to keep you in the box, yeah. especially if you're designing. <laughs> um 
And yeah, so from that forwards, if we if we don't end up hitting our Kickstarter goal, we do have quite a lot of contingency uh, plans in place. A lot of the people who have backed us already are, are quite vocal with us. Um, and the nice thing is we're starting to build up a bit of a community. And that's exactly what we want. Because to be honest with you, we want to develop the the sure. system um with you guys with 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 our community because of um it's all very well me thinking about what i want from my scenery but it's better to be able to hear your voices and be able to develop alongside of you and in saying that we were thinking about like down the line having events where the community submit their own designs and like a competition whoever has the best design would then put that forward potentially making it into a piece for the system yeah, absolutely. Um, and obviously pay out royalties to the designers um, to get to that position. Um, so yeah, we do have a, a lot of plans. Um, again, something which uh, working on talking about kind of the electronic mm. idea theory, I've already designed some uh, some crates, some futuristic crates, which will be able to have lights in them and be able to place on your board and have these nice little detail points to have as capture marker objectives or um, or different bits and pieces, just, just to add that pop to your board. Mm. Yeah. Brilliant! It's it's a funny old thing, Kickstarter, isn't it? Where um, you you'll you'll see some of the strangest <laughs> yeah. things get money thrown at them, and it, it the the reality is like I mean you because you guys are yeah. first time creators, it, it's actually very common for your for your first go at a project to to not quite uh, mm. go as you want it to, and it's by by no means an indication that. Um, that there's something wrong with the product. There's all sorts of wacky things that go on in Kickstarter. And, and the, the sad reality is that if you're a first-time creator, you're almost always going up against a behemoth like Cool Money or Not or Steam yeah, Forge or this, something um, like this, that. This has been a problem. And again, the thing is, is I wouldn't necessarily, if we didn't, if we don't hit our funding goal, um, I don't look at that as us failing at all, purely for the fact that the amount that I have learned oh, through okay. actually, yeah, both of us have learned through doing this campaign, um yeah it just puts us in in steed great so if we do decide to go back to kickstarter again um again we'll probably try something a bit smaller again like you say just for it not being um again not being our first project that we're launching um and yeah the other thing as well is just um being able to uh start building our community a bit more i think that was probably one of our biggest things is we didn't have a huge community before we went in mm. um and yeah, I do yeah. genuinely wish we did a lot more stuff like uh, reaching out to different people yeah. in the industry, people like yourselves. Um, great now that I've actually uh, sure. started yeah. listening to your podcast and stuff because I didn't know about you guys until I started doing yeah. my research. Yeah, uh, yeah. Um, there you go. Yeah, it, it's some, it's one of the other crazy things about Kickstarter, right? Because people will talk about their Kickstarter campaign and they'll be referring to the two or three weeks where they're physically on Kickstarter raising funds when the reality is that you really need to be promoting it outside of Kickstarter for about two or three months in the run-up to yeah. the Kickstarter campaign. Um, but next time, that's definitely what we'll be doing because now we've got the experience. Um, at times, if we're a couple of months behind where we should be, um, like it's not a case of that's how we thought. When we launched Kickstarter, we thought we were ready. But now looking at it, the advertisement feels like it was a little bit behind where we probably should have had it. But I wouldn't have known that before we did the Kickstarter. Yeah. Oh, definitely. It's it's different skill sets, isn't it? Yeah. Designing and then promoting. <laughs> that's, that's why there's, there's companies that take money off people and all they oh, do absolutely. is well, It's true, isn't it? And it's a, I will say, it's, it's amazing how many of those companies approach you when you actually start a Kickstarter yeah. project. If you've not uh, ever done that, you get about probably about 50 different spam yeah. emails that go into your Kickstarter inbox. Uh, 
of all these people saying, oh, if you give us like $50, we'll be able to promote you everywhere. And uh, yeah, it's um, it's very interesting yeah, to come across these things. Yeah, people, people lining up to uh, take your money. <laughs> there we go. Yeah, such is life. Right, so that, that's just about all we've got time for. But for people that are interested in mod blocks and what the Mayo Brothers are up to, where do they need to go? Um, so if you head on to uh, Kickstarter, ideally, uh, so kickstarter.com, uh, if you do a search for mod blocks, uh, that's spelled M-O-D-B-L-O-K-Z. Um, and uh, yeah, you should find us there. Um, or you can check out our website, modblocks.com. Um, that will have a link to our Kickstarter, but it also has uh, a lot more images and a lot more information about ourselves. Um, there you go. Yeah, and there's also our Facebook page. Yeah, absolutely. Um, we'll be getting our Twitter started up soon. That's something which I wish I did a lot earlier yeah. as well. Okay. <laughs> yeah. yeah, the Twitter community is rabid. They'd be all over mod blocks. Yeah. <laughs> right. Tom, Ash, thank you very much for joining us. No, it's been a pleasure. Thank you for your time. And for all of those listening, wherever you are, thank you for joining us, and we'll see you next time. Hi, everyone. It's Charlotte from the Unlucky Frog Gaming Podcast. Thank you so much for listening. Now be sure to follow us on Facebook and Twitter. All you need to do is search Unlucky Frog Gaming. You can also show your support for the Unlucky Frog through Patreon. To find out more information, check out our website, www.unluckyfrog.com. Thanks. Bye. (laughs) 